Would you be so kind with me to stand as we read Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Galatians 1, 1 to 5. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me. To the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now I'm pretty uh, pretty excited. We're gonna we're gonna be in a New sermon series, new year, new sermon series entitled Set Free, Live Free, Galatians, Unpacking the Gospel. What we're going to do throughout this series is just that. We're going to to unpack the gospel. We're going to see how how the, the message of Christianity, the good news of Jesus, how that message applies to our lives every single day. The good news of Jesus. We've got six uh, chapters to cover, uh, so we're going to do that over, over 10, 10 weeks. We've got house churches that are going to be working through the book of Galatians. I want to encourage you, if you're looking to be part of a small group, um, join a house church. We've got the book of the month, uh, New Morning Mercies by Paul David Tripp. Awesome book. Uh, we're talking about offering a transforming grace Sunday school class. You know, that's kind of old language in the church Sunday school class, but we're looking at putting together an eight to ten week study on on grace. Um, so lots of things to support this series um, as our objective, our goal for each and each of our lives: set free, live free, unpacking, unpacking the gospel. You know, um, traveling. Traveling, it's, it's, it's all fun and games until you have to unpack. I'm saying? Like when, you, when you, you get home from a trip, do you, like, are you that person that has to unpack all of your stuff right away? Like quick, let's do this right here, right now. Yeah, that's, that's my wife, Kelly. Me, I prefer to leave the suitcase somewhere awkward for a few weeks and practice, you know, my jumping skills, usually like right in the hallway. I have mastered the art of jumping over the suitcase. You know, people who actually use the dresser in their hotel room and unpack all their stuff are at a level of responsibility that I will just never attain. You know the song, The Birds, This Wheel's on Fire, 1968, so I'm gonna unpack all my things and sit before it gets too late. No, it takes me two hours to pack and two months to unpack. Unpacking suitcase to remove things, unpacking to to analyze something into its component elements, 
unpacking to explain or examine something in order to make its meaning clearer. Unpacking to explain something difficult by reducing it to small, simple stages or by using the most simple possible language. That's what I'm hoping that we're going to accomplish in this Galatian series over the next 10 weeks. So let's, let's dive right into the book here. Now, the book of Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul. Check out Galatians chapter 1 and verse 1. Uh, l- look at the text. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 1 says, Paul. Okay? So it's kind of nice. Like it, Most of these books in the New Testament establish who wrote the book right away. And we're not talking about Paul and the Beatles. We're talking about first century Paul. Now, now look at Paul's authority here. Note the text. It says, an apostle. And, and in one word, the word that follows apostle, you have a definition of an apostle. So, so Paul is an apostle. Well, what does apostle mean? Sent. One who is sent for a purpose. The text says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from man nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. So, so the author of the book of Galatians is Paul. Now, the date of the book of Galatians, and honestly, this, this is one of the most important facts of, of this book. And I, it won't be for a few sermons to where I, I, I get to what this really means, but the date of the book of Galatians is, is A.D. 49. Now, now this is so incredible. You, you got, you've got to think about this. Check this out. The book of Galatians was written only 16 years after Jesus was crucified, buried, and rose from the, from the dead. Galatians was written within 16 years of the life of Christ, AD 30 to AD 49, 16 years. So what that means is that the, that the book that we're reading, think about that, was written only 16 years from the life of Christ. It's one of the earliest books in the New Testament, possibly second to the book of James, which is probably A.D. 44, and the book of Thessalonians um, was also one of the earlier uh, books in the New Testament. So I just think that's so cool that when we're, we're studying this book, like this source, this, uh, this, this, this authority, the Bible, the God's Word, this particular book is like right there at the time of Christ. Now, let me give you the theme of the book of Galatians. Like, like in, in, in just, just a few words, here, here's what the, what, what the book is, is all about. Galatians, getting the gospel right. See, see I want to unpack, we, we want to unpack the right gospel. Because there are false gospels that, that, that we believe all the time. We've got to get the gospel right. I want to unpack the right gospel and the rightness of it. Now, now here's what that, that word gospel means. It means good news or, 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 or a good message, okay, um, to, to announce like good news, 
Like in a world filled with bad news and temporary solutions and things that, that, that news that might only apply to, to the 70 years that God may give you on this earth. Okay, what, what, what the gospel means is that, that, that there is good news that expands forever, for, for all of eternity. Now, now, we typically, in our culture today, we, we announce things through, through social media and, and Facebook. We don't always announce good stuff on Snapchat, but we, but we use Instagram and we use YouTube and we announce things like, like selfies and more selfies and more selfies, right? Like it's, it's a form of announcing good news and bad news. But back then, in, in the first century, God used apostles. He didn't use social media. And Paul here is an apostle sent from men, not sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. And the heart of his apostleship, which is the theme, is getting the gospel right. It is so important in our heart, our mind, our soul to understand what is the message of Christianity? What is the good news of our faith? Well, Mr. Apostle Paul, year 49 AD, sent not from man, but by God. What is it? You don't want to hear my opinion. It's not worth much. I've only been alive for, you know, I'm, I'm going on 40, Eddie. Going on 40. I'm, I'm, I'm still 30, I'm still in my 30s, still 39. You don't, you don't want to hear what I think the good is. You, you want to see it in the text. Now ch- check it out. Paul, what, what is the, the, the message? This, this, is, this is awesome. Ch- check out Galatians chapter one, verses three to five. The apostle Paul says, grace, peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Who, now, now notice who, who noticed the gospel, notice the news, who gave himself, verse four, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Remember in verse one, who raised him from the dead, big deal, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom, verse five, be glory forever and ever, amen. See, see, that's the good news. Jesus, the, the sacrifice of Jesus. I'm gonna read it again. Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. Now I want you to notice in the text six things as it's related to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Six things as it's related to the sacrifice of Christ. These are necessary things. If we are going to be set free as unbelievers, and if we are going to live free 
as believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ, these things are necessary and we could not have done them for ourselves. Check it out. Number one, the sacrifice of Christ was voluntary. Voluntary. The text says he gave himself. He gave himself. It was voluntary. He decided to give himself. He decided to give his life for us. Number two, the sacrifice of Christ was personal. He gave what? What did he give? A million bucks, some 20 inch rims for my souped out Honda. What, what, he gave himself. That, that, that's amazing. In the text, it says he gave himself voluntary, personal. Number three, the sacrifice of Christ was just that, sacrificial. He gave himself for our sins. It was sacrificial. Number four, the sacrifice of Christ was redeeming. The, the text says in verse four that he might rescue us from the present evil age. It was redemptive. Voluntary, personal, sacrificial, redemptive. Number five, the sacrifice of Christ was ordained. It was according to the will of our God and Father. It was ordained. Stick with me. Number six, the sacrifice of Christ was sufficient. It was sufficient because it was for all of our sins, not just one sin or some specific sins, but all of our sins in such a way that when he died on the cross, all of our sins were still future. The sacrifice of Jesus, the gospel, the good news of our lives, according to the Apostle Paul in Galatians 1, 4, and 5, was voluntary, personal, sacrificial, redemptive, ordained, and sufficient. Then in verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, as if that wasn't enough, God raised Jesus from the dead. So he's risen. Well, what is God's motive in all of this? It's revealed in verse 5. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. See, only in Christianity, only in Christianity, do you have a voluntary, personal, sacrificial, redeeming, ordained, risen Savior. And that message brings great glory to God. And he, here's why. Religion says do. Jesus says done. Re religion says if I obey, God will love me more. And if I disobey, God will love, the, the gospel says God loves me, therefore obey. See, only in Christianity is there a cross. Only in Christianity is there a God incarnate resurrection. Only in Christianity is there a voluntary, personal, sacrificial, redeeming, ordained, risen savior. Every other religion, do you know who it's about? about you. What you have to do for God. I was talking to my friend from India and he said to me, Dennis, that's the caste system in Hinduism. What's the caste system 
in Hinduism and its bondage. What do you mean it's bondage, the caste system? He says to me, the caste system in India is bondage because it's never-ending cycle of reincarnation. It never, ever ends. And every time you're given a reincarnated life, you're in the bondage that your salvation is totally dependent on you and what you do. But according to the Apostle Paul, according to biblical authority, God did for us what we could have never done for ourselves. Jesus lived a life we could never live. He died a death we should have died and rose to give us a life we can never have otherwise. Live free. Live free in that, Christian. Live free in that. That's why John... He's not trying to be restrictive to free thinking, but that's why John says, listen, that's why he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through him because there's no other human being, 100% man, 100% God, who did what he did for you and I. He's the deal. He's the Savior. You can't work for your salvation. You don't earn your salvation. You don't keep your salvation. Jesus did it all. And this message, the Apostle Paul says, brings great glory to God. Will, will you believe? Will, will, will we accept that? See, the Apostle Paul says the good news originated with God, not man. St. Augustine once said, if you believe what you like and reject what you don't like, It is not the gospel you believe, but yourself. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2, this this is so cool. He says, for I resolve to know nothing. 1 Corinthians 2, for I resolve to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I love how my wife puts it. She's like, man, here's, here's like the the deal, like, you got Jesus, and he's, like, this gift to us, and, like, do you remember, like, when you're a kid, and, and, and you open that first present, and she's, like, she's, like, damn, she's, like, that's, that's the gospel, like, it's, it, it, it's the never-ending present, you just keep opening it, and opening it, and opening it, and there's more, and there's more, and there's more, and, and, and it's all about Jesus, and it's all about our Savior, and, and, and it has nothing to do with ourselves, other than the fact that we have to believe enough to open the present. You know, this is a big deal to me, and I'll tell you why, because growing up, You have to understand my thinking growing up. Now, this is just me. I'm not speaking for anyone else. This is just me. But growing up, Jesus was an add-on in my thinking. He was was an add-on. I mean, it's really weird because, like, I I would be like, yeah, like, there's Jesus. He died on the cross. But really, like, I got to, you know, it's, it's about me. But in Christianity, it's not about me. When it comes to our salvation, when it comes to our relationship with Christ, it's, it's about him. Jesus, I love this, this statement, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That, that, that's, that's the good news. 
It's the foundational nature of justification by faith. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11 says, Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. That's it's the whole point of, of, of this book. How does a person get right with God? How should a believer live the Christian life? Is it by grace through faith in Christ alone? Or is it by grace through faith in Christ plus something? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. The book of Galatians is sometimes referred to as the Magna Carta of Christian liberty. It's called that because the book shows us that salvation and the freedom we have in Christ is by grace through faith. I want to read verse 4 and 5 one more time. Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, now I just, I just want to spend a short time here right, right now telling you why this matters so much. Why, why this matters, getting the gospel right. Why, why does that matter? Because when we're wrong about the gospel, some terrible things happen. I've narrowed it down to, to three terrible things. When we get the gospel wrong, unbelievers are not set free. When we get the gospel wrong, believers won't live free. And when we get the gospel wrong, God is not glorified. See, see those three things happen for all of us. When we get the gospel wrong, when we, when, we, when we believe false things about the good news of Jesus. Unbelievers are not set free. Believers won't live free. And God is not glorified. Listen, Paul, Paul is so serious about this. L- listen to what he says In verses 6 to 8, Galatians 1, 6 to 8, check this out. The Apostle Paul here says, I am astonished. You got to love that word, right? I am shocked. Like, I can't believe that you don't want to be set free and live free. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who caused you, called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all, verse 7. Evidently, he says some people, the Judaizers, and we're going to be talking a lot about them in this series, evidently, some people, the Judaizers, are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But look at verse 8. The text says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, look, look at this, look at this. Let them be under God's curse. So what we have to understand, here, here's the the tone of, of, of the Apostle Paul here. 
He's upset. He's upset. He's furious. Now, I play on a, um, a really, really good soccer team. Kind of like my midlife crisis, right? Like, I, I, play, I play every, every Monday night. I can't, like, I'm not bragging because I'm by far one of the oldest players and we have, like, a very international team and we beat all the colleges in this area. I don't care what college it is, we've beaten them in this indoor league. But a couple weeks back, we lost a game to a forfeit. It was literally our first loss on paper because, because it was like over Christmas and I, I couldn't make the game. A lot of us couldn't make the game. And I remember this kid on our team, and I won't tell you what country he's from, but if I told you what country he's from, you'd see why he, he's angry. He got so furious and so angry Like, I can't believe it. We've won like 60, 70 games in a row. And this is how we're gonna, am I right, Samuel? His his texts were out of control. Listen, Paul is, is furious because a false gospel was being preached. And, And this happens today. Listen, in the 16th century, I'm just going to talk about how, how it was. In the 16th century, you know what the Catholic Church was doing? The faith, the faith of my upbringing. Do, do you know what they were doing? And I'm not bashing. I'm just, I, I'm just showing this as an example. The Catholic Church was actually selling tickets to heaven. Tickets to heaven. You know what they were called? They were called Indulgences. Do you remember that from history? Not, not stairway to heaven, tickets to heaven. They were selling tickets to heaven. These, these, these get out of jail free cards. And Martin Luther, who was Catholic, one of their own, Martin Luther, the German, the father of the Protestants, the Protestant Reformation, he was so upset and so angry and so Furious because Martin Luther knew that if you got the gospel wrong, if if you believed in a false gospel, the consequences were eternal. And Martin Luther's like, oh my goodness, you can't sell tickets to heaven. That's ridiculous. And I think about my life, right? Even though I have accepted Christ and I have rejected works for my salvation, I think about my life as a Christian and just the false gospels, the constant comparison of myself to somebody else for my standing before God to see how I'm doing as a Christian. The false gospel of comparison. Listen, anytime, physically, spiritually, you compare yourself to somebody else and you come to a conclusion about yourself, as a believer, that's also a form of a false gospel in the believer's life, even though you can't lose your salvation. And Luther, Martin Luther, the German, I wish he was Italian. He wasn't. We got, we got, saying, you know, we got others. Luther loved the book of Galatians. 
Martin Luther, the German, the father of the Protestant Reformation, loved the book of Romans. If you study the book of Romans, Romans is peaceful, orderly, logical, very lawyer-like, relatively unemotional, and it's lengthy. Galatians is short, personal, polemical. I didn't know that word until this week. Polemical and filled with controversy. But both of those books, both Romans and Galatians, teach the impossibility of salvation by any form of self-effort and the absolute necessity of God's grace for Christian living. And the Apostle Paul is furious with everyone in this book. He's upset. Warren Wearsby calls the book of Galatians, quote, spiritual dynamite, spiritual TNT. It's so explosive in the truth it contains, Paul is concerned. He said, I am astonished, look at the crisis, that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ, turning to a different gospel. Turning away is a military term. Turning, turning away, it's, it's a disgrace. You're in battle and you're a coward and you don't fight with your men, and you turn away and you desert everyone. Turning to a different good news, another of a different kind, which Paul says is really no good news at all. He says, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, since there's only one saving gospel, only one way to heaven, only one way to live the Christian life. If anyone preaches anything other than Jesus, the text says, the text says it. The text, not, not me, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. The, the text says, let them be under God's curse. Can I say it this way? Eternally condemned. And that's really what the word anathema in the Greek, which is also has become an English word. Got to get the gospel right. Now, let me close out with two things. I want to close out with who wrote the book of, who the book of Galatians was written to. And one final quick point. You guys like when pastors say quick, right? Unless they go for a really, really long time after they say quick. All right, we're going we're gonna to wrap this up. Check out Galatians chapter one and verse one and two again. Who, who did Paul write this book to? This is, this is pretty, pretty cool. The text says, Paul an apostle sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And look at verse two. And all the brothers and sisters with me to, look at who he wrote this to, this is so key for today. Wait till you see this. To the churches in Galatia. Now, what has rivers but no water, oceans but no fish, forests but no trees, and cities but no people? Anyone know? What was that? A map. Let's throw it up. A map. I want to show you where the book of Galatians, who, who the people were in. I'm impressed. Here, you want to close out the... Paul's writing to that 
red thing on the map. He's writing to the churches of Galatia. Now, that's fascinating. Um, Galatia is modern-day what? Turkey. The Apostle Paul wrote this book to what is known today as modern-day Turkey. Now, the Apostle Paul visited this location on his first missionary journey. You can find that in Acts chapter 13 and 14. Now, this is so relatable, and I'm going to tell you why. Because culturally, the region of Galicia was so unique, and this is what made it unique. It was a melting pot. Galicia was a melting pot. It's cool because, like, you can see that in Scranton, like this melting pot. Pot. And definitely in, 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 in the U.S., it was, Galatia was an ethnic melting pot, a racial melting pot, a religious melting pot, a cultural melting See, America's nothing new. This is who the, everything is perennial, right? Every, there's nothing new under the sun. In Galatia, what, what, what you had, this, this is what you had in this melting pot. You had basically three Groups of people coming together. Roman, Greek, and Jewish. Now hold on, because I'm going to get to the really cool part. Roman, Greek, and Jewish. Now now here's, here's what happened. The Apostle Paul and this guy named Barnabas in Acts 13 and 14, they go to this melting pot called Galatia. The Jewish community would have been the minority, and the Roman and the Greek community would have been the majority. And here's what happened. They go there, and they bring the gospel that, that the Messiah has come, not just for Israel, but the Savior of the world. And that God loved them and died for all of their sins, was buried, rose on the third day. There's hope today. There's peace and joy and, and Jesus, when he, after he, he appeared to Peter and James, and he appeared to the 12, and he appeared to all the apostles, and he appeared to me, the apostle Paul. This is the gospel I, Paul, preached. And in Galatia, you had people from the Roman background coming to Jesus, and you had people from the Greek background coming to Jesus. And you, amen? Amen. You had people from the Jewish background coming to Jesus. And it was like this melting pot church. And it's so cool because it was like the first non-denominational church. I, I thought that was pretty, pretty cool in, in, in the Bible. I mean, think of it. You had slaves coming to Christ. You had free men coming to Christ. You had educated, uneducated. You had male, female, younger, older, Republican, Democrat, Independent, Socialist, Communist, Capitalist, people from all kinds of different backgrounds coming to Jesus. You had baby boomers and Gen X and millennials. You even had iGen. You had beggars, billionaires, smooth talkers. You had from, and yes, this is original, you had from Ralph Lauren to Fate of Glory. You had from Beethoven to Bluegrass, to the notorious B.I.G. You had people with flip phones and iPhones, Androids and Galaxy watches. You had fans of all 32 NFL teams all coming to Christ at the same time. Now just think of the issues and think 
of the clashing and you're like Paul, the apostle Paul, the one sent not from man but for my, by God. What is going to unify this mess? Who is going to unify it all? What is the message? What is the focus? What needs to be the center of the church and the center of our lives? What is the good news, Paul? Because we've got to get the gospel right. And Paul says, this is so amazing, to this diverse group of people, just like today in America, Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 29, he says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were immersed into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is, here it is, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That is the center of our faith. His crucifixion is the heart of the gospel. His resurrection is the power of the gospel. His ascension is the glory of the gospel. Now, I told you I would close with who the book was written to and at one final point, and so here is my final point. Are you looking for peace? Are you looking for joy? Are you looking for unity in a world of diversity? Are you looking for contentment, accept Christ as your savior. I just look at this church and I'm amazed at all the nationalities and, and different backgrounds and yet how we are all here worshiping the same savior. That's who unifies the church. And a lot of us, by the grace of God, need to take that message to our friends and our family and our coworkers. And it's time to get on mission. So over the years, I have significantly struggled as, as a believer um, with contentment for my life. I'm sure nobody in here can relate to that. Contentment with where God has me today. You know, a person who lacks contentment in their life, this is kind of, this is off script of the sermon and this is like a pastoral moment. A person who lacks contentment in their life will offer, often exchange in when and then thinking. When I get, then I will be happy. When I move, then I will be happy. When I find, then I will be happy. And I'm going to close with this. Remember, never forget, your happiness, your joy is not reliant on the acquisition of any possession. Remember, your happiness is not reliant on any geography, circumstance, person, or worry. Your happiness as a believer in Christ is based solely on your decision to be happy in the good news of Christianity. This might be one of the most important lessons you ever learn in life. It was for me. Getting the gospel right is not just for great sinners, but also for struggling saints. For all, the sacrifice of Jesus was voluntary, personal, sacrificial, 
redemptive, ordained, and sufficient. The consistent message of the world is that happiness is found, not found in more, better, newer, or work and try a little harder. But in the gospel, we are so set free, called to live free, called to stop comparing ourselves to others, and to see Jesus as not only the only road to salvation, but also how we continue in Christian living. Lord bless you, Steamtown. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to close in how the Apostle Paul closed out in verse 5. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here who's never been set free by the understanding that the way to heaven is through Jesus, I pray this morning they would accept that and receive that. And for us believers who've already believed that message, I pray that we will not believe that there is a greater message beyond that in Christianity and that we will live free in the good news of Jesus. Lord, we are filled with joy this morning and hope and peace, and we celebrate that. And we ask this in Jesus' name.